Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Dan Weederer, on-air contributor for 670 The Score. You're going to be relying on a lot of young players, guys that have to materialize into who they thought they were. The Bears are who we thought they were. When either they drafted them or guys that they believe in that were already here, that's guys like Justin Fields. Bears beat reporter and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. Matt has pounded it home from the day he took the job with the HITS principle and the acronym there and just saying repeatedly, we are going to be an effort-based football team. Dan Weederer. Get your track shoes on. With Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. Let's talk some football with Dan Weederer, shall we? He's on Twitter at Dan Weederer, the Scores Bears insider, beat reporter, and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune, Take the North podcast co-host with David Haw. He is with us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's happening, Dan? How are you guys doing? We've uh, we've hit that home stretch here. One, one more week of football. One more, and I've been following the last couple days. The Tribune has done... Some some important work if you're a Bears fan. Full roster accounting mm-hmm. yeah. and really going through. Here's the status of the. I mean, for the very last guy on the roster, anybody who appeared on that roster, what the status is, what could be done going forward, how they perform this year, and it's been really helpful. So my first thought was. What are going to be, what little moves, little peripheral administrative things in any way for the Bears are going to be leading indicators of where they might be prioritizing, how quickly they might be moving? What are you looking for as sort of canaries in the coal mine here? So first of all, full credit to my colleague, Colleen Kane, because that's a grind, what she did, yep. and, and to be able to pull that out and, and put just give you a full lay of the landscape of what they're going to be facing here in the next month gives you a, a pretty big picture. This is one of those rare years, though, Dan, where I don't think there are going to be those indicators that that tell us much in the month of February because they have such a blank canvas and they have so much wiggle room and flexibility and so many openings on the roster that, that it, it, there may not be a lot of hinting. It's just let's get to, to March 13th. Let's let that flea market open and then let's see which direction Ryan Poles wants to go first. Obviously, the marriage of, of free agency and the draft is paramount going into this offseason and being able to understand, okay, if it breaks this way in free agency, this is how our contingency plans look in the draft and and just kind of laying that entire puzzle out. And so we've got now uh, just a little more than a month until we get all of that fun really escalating and getting started. And then really at the end of this month, there'll be a lot of chatter that, that starts to point us in directions at the Combine in Indy. Dan, after hearing Matt Nagy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of them, Lawrence, just because I think that this is um, an interesting topic i mean look like i think we all know why it went south for matt nagy here in chicago 
Um, I think in my opinion, and maybe it's worth discussing in this forum that, that there are some, some things within the, the 2021 story that are worth illuminating in terms of what Matt was put into. I don't think his handling of Justin Fields as a rookie was the greatest, but I also don't think it was as um, easily condemned as it has been just because of the, the problems. And, and again, as we've talked all month about, about the addition of um, productive oversight at the top of the organization, when you are a coach and you're basically asking for your job going into an off season, and then you're given the understanding that you better win in this off or better win in this season to keep your job now you make decisions that you wouldn't otherwise make. And so the development of Justin Fields was sort of stunted because they had to try to win enough games to keep their jobs. And it's a really unfortunate thing that happened within the Bears organization that they're not going to be able to afford to have happen going forward. And so I, th- I feel for Matt Nagy on some level in that regard because he was put in a situation that wasn't really constructive and it wasn't really fair in 2021. Yeah, but can an argument be made that once, once you change course – and you end up with Justin Fields, couldn't you argue that by playing Fields, he was maybe extending his timeline in, instead of trying to force Andy Dalton to, to make the team an 8-8 eight and eight team? Well, what happened when Justin played? You know, they lost two, eight of his 10 starts and, and missed the playoffs, and he got fired. And that was going to happen. Like, the, you know, Justin wasn't going to come in, play his entire rookie year, no matter how many first-team snaps he got in August and turn them into a a team that was going to contend for the playoffs. And so there is some um, organizational illness, I guess, within, within that framework that, that created that situation that you want to avoid entirely because um, you know, I mean, look, Justin, Justin played more, he started more than half the games in 2021 and and the results were the results because it was a rookie quarterback trying to, to swim uphill a little bit without the proper off season and August development. And, and, and we wound up where we wound up. And I just think that it's, the reason I think it's a valuable discussion is because if, you, if you're having these conversations in a, a meaningful way well before you get to Andy Dalton scrambling out of bounds and hurting his knee, you have set up a, an infrastructure and a productive runway for your future franchise quarterback to develop properly, and they didn't. And here we are. We're in a totally different storyline. But now Matt's obviously in a totally different storyline, and he's coaching Patrick Mahomes, and he's enjoying Super Bowl week. And then in a forum like last night, he's obviously – asked to reflect and and kind of look back on his time and, and how it ended here in Chicago. But that's what I mean. Like once you you've put yourself in a position where you are going to draft Justin Fields, I feel like it's incumbent upon Nagy and Pace to go to ownership and say, look, this is what the plan was until this dropped yeah. in our laps. And now we need to do whatever, like forget about trying to win. Like we want to develop this quarterback, which means that we're we're going to go back on a promise that we made to Andy Dalton. And we're going to try and develop him with the reps in August to to try and get him better. And and I feel like if he could have gotten fields in the second half of the season trending upward, that's a hard thing for the bosses to look at and say he deserves to be fired, even with the rest of his resume as Bears head coach. What you describe is what happens within healthy organizations. And the reason the Bears haven't been a healthy organization is because those lines of communication, for whatever reason, get gummed up or there aren't those discussions and there aren't those conversations and there just aren't those um, productive, forward-looking moves that that set you up for a brighter future at the expense of a, a darker today. You know, And so some of those things get get 
unnecessarily messy. And, uh, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about sweeping away banana peels. Like that's a, a banana peel that they slipped and fell on. And then and, and in a way wasted a chunk of Justin's rookie year that now puts him a little bit further behind in his development going into a, a third season where he's going to be asked to, to, to prove a lot, right? Like to, to, to show them that he's worth all the money that, that quarterbacks in this market are, are going to be commanding when he gets to the end of his third season. Is Devin Hester going into the hall? Man, I sure hope so. But like, so <laughs> Dan, this is such a complicated conversation because I had the, the privilege 10 years ago of being on the committee I sat in place a, a Sid Hartman um, the year that I actually had a present. Wow, Christmas. big shoes to fill. <laughs> they were, right? guy, Sid Hartman. Yep. In, in a year where I had to stand in front of that committee and present two guys, I had to present Chris Dolman and Chris Carter to the committee for consideration. And, and Dolman got in that year and Chris Carter didn't. And what I learned through that process that it, it, I, it's really easy when Hall of Fame voting comes out to just – fire grenades at the committee and say they don't know what they're doing. But when you understand the logistics of the football hall of fame process, you understand that there's only five guys every year that come up for a yes or no vote. And more often than not, if you get through the velvet ropes to get to that yes or no vote, you get in. But you know, like there were guys that were on in my list. Like I said, Oh, these are definitely top five guys. I would vote them in right now. And I only got to vote for three of them that year. Right. So there are guys that you don't even get to take a yes or no vote on that. The committee may as at large say, Devin is, you know, 80% of us at least believe that he's a, a, an absolute Hall of Famer, but they didn't get to a yes or no vote on him. So we'll see on Thursday night whether he's in there. I would say it would certainly obviously be special for, for, for Devin to go in in the class of 23. I think there's something kind of kind of cool about that. Um, and, and obviously, I think those of us who lived the Devin Hester experience through the lens of, of the Bears understand who he was and what he did to impact games. And I think most people that played with or against him or coached with or against him understand that as well. I just know that it's a complicated process. And in, in this year, right, like you've got guys like Joe Thomas and Darrell Revis, who are our first year eligible guys who will probably instantly take up two of those five spots. And so now you're down to, to three spots left and, and you're talking about, okay, maybe does DeMarcus Ware have the momentum this year to get through? Does like a Zach Thomas get through? Is this Torrey Holt's year to break through a log jam with, you know, Reggie Wayne and, and Andre Johnson, and the other receivers? It's complicated. I think you guys are probably in agreement with me that Devin 100% belongs in there and hopefully his time is coming soon. I just can't say for sure that it's a no brainer for the committee, given the logistics of the way the process works. Well, I, I, I do think he belongs, and I've kind of come around on it because I initially didn't because yeah. I thought about you know, the whole specialist thing. And, yeah. like, well, yeah. if he, I, I, granted, he's the best at doing that, but are we going to put Patrick Manley up for being the best long snapper or the best holder? You know, where, where do we get the slippery, slippery slope of specialization? And yet, if you really look at, like you say, change the game, affect mm-hmm. the game, imp- yeah. impact the game, when you're flipping the field, when you're scoring off those plays. When teams are kicking out of yeah, bounds right, right, because they don't right. want to kick to you. Yeah, I, I came around because I, I initially was very skeptical of of the idea of a, of a specialist. Like, what do we, do we revisit yeah. Billy White Shoes Johnson and, and, and all of the other Rick Upchurch and, and so many of the others? And the answer is probably not. 
Right. You've got guys like Steve Tasker, right, who was a, a special teams, you know, dominant player for, for great teams. You know, Shane Leckler, a guy who, who punted his butt off for, for years. I get it. Hester just to me is different. And, and, and the impact he had, and it's not just it's not just like them kicking out of bounds. It's the amount of sweat and lost sleep that opponents had in the week leading up because they were so terrified. And I know you guys have have had I know, Lawrence, you've had that conversation with Tony Dungy about just, mm-hmm. you know, spending spending time and energy for an entire week leading up to the biggest game of your career trying to figure out what do we do because I'm terrified of this guy but all at the same time I want to prove to my players that we're not afraid of them and then what happens right like on the biggest stage uh, of the biggest game the guy takes the opening kickoff 92 yards for a score and you're just like the dude was fearless he changed games I know there was a um, I heard this from three different people a punt return in the infamous game in in Denver mm-hmm. um so you you obviously remember that game, but it's it's like a it's like a fourteen yard return, and I initially heard it that, that the, the Bears I was covering the Vikings at the time. I initially heard the Viking special teams coach say, "Go back and watch this punt return in the second half of this game," and this is what I'm showing our guys over and over and over again and how dangerous it is when you think you have him corralled and out, out he goes. The next year, Dante Rosario is a Bear, and he's telling me. There was this time when I was trying to cover uh, Devin in Denver, and we had him surrounded, and he snuck out of here. Dave Toll brings up the same, same, same return, and it's a 16-yard return, right? We can watch the YouTube clips of the 20 touchdowns and then the Super Bowl return and go, yeah, that looks like it. But it was all the accumulation of those 16 and 18 and 22-yard returns that made opponents, you know, crap their pants for for, for three minutes. That, that that tell you how special he was and the energy that went into trying to stop him. I'm fascinated by this Hall of Fame process, and I'm glad that now we know that you were someone that was in the room. So take me in the room. What's it like to present someone's case for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, it's intimidating to sit <laughs> in that room and, and, and you know, speak um, to a lot of people that have been around the game for a really long time and try to try to get them to understand what it is about this particular candidate that sets them apart from again, a list that is really, really established that you, you know, you're going to look at this tomorrow night and you're going to see 10 guys that get snubbed and you're going to go, God, those were all really, really, really good football players. And so you just try to try to, to distinguish what made your candidate a little bit different. Um, I, there's arguments to be made that, you know, maybe someone else should be presenting those cases. And I, I understand that completely. Um, and, and you just have, you have to, to, to do it as, as best you can and then see where it, uh, the process takes you because it goes from 15 down to 10. And then when you get down to five, then you get the yes or no vote. And it's really strange to look at a list and be like, man, there's four guys on here that I really wanted to vote yes or no for that I don't get the opportunity to. And so then you've just got to do that. I actually went back to Minnesota after that experience. And, and on our blog at the time, I, I recruited about 75 readers of the Star Tribune and had them go through the process. And all of a sudden they stopped shouting and being like, oh, the, the committee's full of idiots. You know, they're like, yeah, this is really darn hard. You know, and, and the process is a little bit complicated and it's a little different than other Hall of Fame's work. So, so this is kind of what it looks like. Is there a candidate that maybe has fallen behind because of the new classes that have come behind it? that you think deserves more attention with their candidacy? Well, I like I've been a Tory Holt guy from the day he got in the league. And I just, I, I, I don't see how you can keep him out of the hall. I just thought he was so good so quickly and so good for so long on some really, really good teams. And it, it just feels like, um, a guy that, that he's been hanging around. Right. And so like, there's a possibility that Devin hangs around beyond this year perhaps beyond next year, perhaps a year beyond that. And you go, man, like, I don't know, you know, how we change this to 
uh, eliminate some of that that wiggling and and moving and shaking. But it's 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 really interesting. That's the guy for me. Um, that, that right now on the list, you say, boy, I, I, I hope he gets his time sooner than later, and we'll see where it goes uh, on Thursday night. I don't know what your coverage responsibilities are going to be for Sunday, but I'm wondering if you – do you watch the Super Bowl like I do where you don't make a whole day of it? You write, you write down exactly when kickoff is scheduled for. <laughs> 537. And, and, and if you do everything just right, you turn on the TV as the ball is in the air. A little bit earlier than that for me, maybe a half an hour before that, just to get kind of acclimated. And, 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 you know, obviously when you're in, I'm not even, we don't even have our our plans firmed up for Sunday, but you have to have a firm understanding of what kind of setting you're going into and where you can go to really focus on the football. You may, you know, there may be multiple rooms going and you just like, I'm a guy that like, I get it. It's a a party for everybody, but I still like to watch every play of the football and and feel it and understand it. And so I just got to figure out where that is this Sunday and, and get ready for it. What do you think was gained by Luke Getze being down at the Senior Bowl? I, I mean, look, I think it's the gain was more for Luke than anybody else. I think that Luke is going to get a, a really nice experience of, of leading a group and understanding what some of the head coaching responsibilities in a, a shortened week look like. They're obviously going to have intel on players that were out part of his team that he was able to sit in meeting rooms with, that he was able to sit in one-on-one sessions with and, and, and understand how they communicate, how they learn, how they absorb things. And so that stuff is going to be valuable when we get in into uh, April. Uh, I just wouldn't overstate it because I think like the 2017 uh, senior bowl included the entire bears coaching staff and they went, came back and, and drafted one guy and it was Jordan Morgan, a, you know, day three, uh, you know, lower tier guard that never played a game. So, I, you know, I don't think there's any sort of like, this is the secret code to unlocking the draft, but I think they'll have a little bit of, of heightened Intel. Talking to people around the league, because obviously this is when a lot of people around the league are available, depending on what they're yeah. selling or whatever. What do you feel like is is the the common denominator when folks are talking about the Bears? Uh, it's the fascination in the quarterback, without question. It's it, it's boy, twenty twenty three is going to be absolutely fun to see which direction this goes. Like, it, it is does Justin establish himself? as a guy who can be your starter for the next six years, or does he establish himself as a championship fueling engine for the next decade? Right. And that's the conversation. And so it's like, there's a, just a, an absolute fascination on, on the pivot point of his career and what we will learn about him in 2023 that will, will tell us everything about the direction of the Chicago bears, because I, I think we'd all agree that he's the most important cog in this machine right now. And everybody's sort of interested to see what, where, where he goes. Are you at a Starbucks? I am uh, outside of a Starbucks. I, mean, I, I, I uh, how'd you know? I could I'm, hear, I could hear the oven. You hear the yes. oven go beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I'm actually so I on days where my house is uh, up for grabs and I can't work quietly there. I come to hotel lobbies. I'm not going to tell oh, you which hotel I'm that's at. Good. I'm not going to give away on the air my secret spot. But, what are you, uh, Matt Neggy? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm in a hidden location, and right behind me is a Starbucks, and the oven is not not too far behind me. That, right, oh, so the hotel lobbies are a life hack. Re- you're right about that. For for there's one specific reason. Going to the bathroom. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a terrible road team. I just am. I just you I hate I, playing I, on the road. I'm, I'm ba- I, I just I, I I'm just bad on the road. I, I've always been. I've I've got a, like a 75 and sunny kind of guy. So if if need be, always 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 hotel lobby. 
I'm telling you, you can get a, you can get a lot done. You have to find the right ones, and I've got about a, a rotation of about four now uh, in the area that I can I can really zone in and get some work done. And so this is one of them today. But it's the lunch hour, so there's like a conference down the hall here that's letting out for lunch, and they're all stampeding behind me and making this uh, very distracting, probably for your audience. I no, love it. not but at all. No, but that's like it's like the poor man's version of having a private club where you can, you know, it's it's uh, it's. I, I like that. I like your way of thinking. Have you ever walked into one of those ballrooms and gotten a croissant? No, I've walked by it several times and thought about it really, really hard. Ah, ah. But, but typically, you need a name tag, and you got to figure out where do I go. You know, like, do I have to stop at the dollar store before I get here and get a name tag that says, "Hello, I'm Dan, and I'm here to steal your croissants." <laughs> they always have leftovers, though. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Dan Weederer, thank you, sir. All right, guys, enjoy the game. We shall. That's Dan Weederer and the survey that we had discussed that James Fegan and survey the Athletic says- put out regarding the Chicago White Sox. The results are in, and they are a thing. The White Sox nation is is unhappy, to say the least. But there's one thing that brings them together. There's, there's one positive that aspect unites the masses? that unites the angry masses. Yeah, and we got to talk about like specifically who the group is that's voting on this survey is, too. That's really important. We will do that on the other side of a quick timeout. Bernstein, Holmes, Diaz, Mike Rankin. Here on the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, if you needed to know what uh, your fans thought, and I know a lot of people who are involved in businesses, some involved in sports teams, who are very pleased when a media organization does the kind of polling that can tell them valuable things. And this is one of those things where if I'm the White Sox, I am paying very close attention to the results of this poll by The Athletic. Yeah, it's not us taking calls. Right. A little bit different than us. No, No offense to you, the caller, but... There's a different level of engagement 
that people who are going to be involved in the athletics survey have that those who are listening to a free radio station might not. Now, I want to say this, too, that this is nearly 2,000 total votes. And it's free, damn it. It's free. Nearly 2,000 total votes. And with, with this particular publication doing it, you know some things here, that this isn't a full, broad sampling of White Sox fandom. This is a very specific niche. This this is a group of people willing to pay for sports coverage yep. and able to pay for sports coverage. This is going to be a group that my guess is more educated and has more discretionary income. I think you're probably right about that on the whole. That has, that has a higher standard for some of their coverage if they're they're willing to go and, and, and pay for the extra in-depth stuff that you get. I also think that people should just get subscriptions to The Athletic because it's so good. It's fantastic, and it makes you smarter, yes, and, and it's entertaining. Their and it's front fun, page and, and all of it's your all local great. teams, it's, it's phenomenal. It, it, it's all great, but there's a reason why so many of their writers are also terrific personalities that you hear on this station and elsewhere. So we went through this. And we gave our votes yep. last week or two weeks ago. No, last week. It was last week. Thursday or Friday? One what, of those. So we'll try to do this as quickly as we can here, but these were the results. What is your opinion of team chairman Jerry Reinsdorf? 72.3% said, I want change. 22.7% said, I'm not satisfied. What is the primary way you assess Reinsdorf's performance? 70.6% said, budget. 103 said, team culture. Okay. Which of these areas needs the most improvement? 85% of respondents said budget. Okay. I mean, that's kind of how, I mean, that's where I voted too, where you got to get off of, we spent this much money and everything went wrong and you got to overspend. The point that you made at the end of the season where you were talking about, no, this is, this is actually the time where you do go and spend after a disappointing season like that, knowing that you've got some holes that you need to fill. And they still haven't filled them. Where does the Sox' biggest organizational weakness lie? Hmm. 56.4% of respondents said ownership. 157 said front office. 132 said player development. And I'm leaving out some of the actual excerpts of, of comments here, but there really were some very interesting things that were written here. Oh, for sure. Save that for the for later on in the survey. What is your opinion of Rick Hahn's performance? 54% checked I'm not satisfied, where 32% went further and said I want change. I think both of those answers are fair. How do you view Rick Hahn and the front office's work during the contention window compared to their work during the rebuild? This was such an interesting question yep. by James. Like the way that he crafted it and the the answers that were available for White Sox fans to choose from. 68.6% says he's worse at shaping a contender than rebuilding. And 24.4% said he's the same guy who struggled with both. But there's some interesting things here about misallocation of budget and specific points being made. The criticism of the team should focus on how they spend their money, not what money they are or aren't spending. How the team's allocated their historically high payroll should be the concern. What is the greatest weakness of the current team? This is a little more of a, a plurality here. The depth 
38.3%. Injury frequency, 259 Team defense, 193 All fair. Agreed. Expectations for this season. 46.8% said more mediocrity. Wow. That is that was way more pessimistic than I thought. Because I agreed with the 29.6% who said in the race until the end or cracking the playoffs. That's what I voted. That's what I voted too. 16.8% said winning a playoff series, 1.9 World Series. Give a letter grade to the White Sox offseason. Now, Fegan famously gave them an F. Well, and 31.4% agreed with him. 44.9 said D. That's where I went. 20.4 said C. Because I, I think the Ben Attendee move is good. The Ben Attendee move? Got a B. I was in between B and C. That's what I mean. That's that what one. I gave it. I gave it a B. I thought it, I, I was, I was, I, I, I'd say I'd give it an 82. Why didn't you say 83? Right because I didn't you. want to give it an 83. If I thought it deserved an 83, I would have given it that. But Just I'm, like Burger King bathroom. I am being, right being consistent with what I believe it's an 82. 53.8% said B. I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. I'm sick with this. Uh, 25.6% said C. Ray, what? did you know that until like a couple years ago, Herb Lawrence didn't know that they were different, that they were the same person? No. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. He didn't know that Shock G and was Humpty. Humpty. Hump. Yeah, he had he had no idea. R.I.P. Yeah. Was, Come on, man. Yeah, he didn't know. He's wearing, he's, he's literally swear. wearing a fake nose and glasses. Like a, a Groucho Marx mask. It, they just never were in the same music video scene at the same time, miraculously. It, His name was uh, Humpty. I, seriously? Yes. Herbie made that admission on the air. Good for him. That's why I love him, because he's so weird. And I just, but he was like, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm like, did you suspect? I mean, I don't know. I, I was having a hard time. That they had this one guy on this one song that just kind of showed up and you never heard from him again? Well, he showed up again, but, yeah, but... they look exactly alike except for, <laughs> the, you know, the, the plastic nose. The Groucho Marx mask that he put on. What did you think? Of, what did you think of the Pedro Griffol hire? I, I was there on this one. 66.2 said cautiously optimistic. I think that's what I went with. What were the other choices? Optimistic, skeptical, hoping for someone else. I would, Actually, I picked optimistic. Okay. As long as you keep your head to the sky. How much impact are you expecting from Griffol and his coaching staff? 65.7% says it's largely on players to improve. Agree. Okay. That, that, that isn't, doesn't really answer the question. Where does the White Sox' biggest organizational advantage lie? And even before seeing the choices, I believe I gave you international scouting Cuban connection, and that indeed got 55% of the vote. The current Major League roster core at 24%. Which of these young White Sox players will have the best career? This is a pretty easy one because he's already off to that start. Dylan Cease. That was my choice as well. It has to be. Second in Cy Young voting, as much as I really like Luis Robert. I don't know if he has enough vitamins. I don't know if his wrist is okay. I'm concerned about the boxing video. There's a lot. There's a lot. Cease at 54.2, Robert 29.1, then Vaughn at 14.1, and then it drops off to Kopech at 1.3. Whoever said Gavin Sheets? I mean, how long has Kopech been in professional baseball? This will be a decade. This will be his 11th year in professional baseball, right? 10th? I think 11th. Might be 11th. Yeah, 10th, I believe. 
Young player. Who's huh? your, who do you think is the current favorite White Sox player of the 2000 respondees? T.A. Yeah, 26.2%. Dylan Cease at 22.6%. Then Robert Hendricks, Jimenez, Vaughn, Lynn, Moncada, Giolito, Kopech, and other. The greatest strength of the current team. 56% said top of the rotation. That's what... You- no, no, that's not what. Uh, uh, that's the different question, the organizational right. question. That's the greatest strength of current team, top of the rotation. I would agree with that. Now, here's the one that here. Here's the staggering number that I hope is printed out and placed on Jerry Reinsdorf's desk. Pick your favorite member of the White Sox broadcast experience. Oh, so it's like everything. So it's TV everything. and radio. TV, radio, and studio. How my guy Connor McKnight do? Fine. Okay. He did. He he had 0.6%. He does a good job. I agree. Shout out to McDoink. Jason Benetti got 52.8% of this vote as favorite member of the White Sox broadcast experience. Wait, 52.8. How much did Steve Stone get? 27.7. Ozzie Guillen third at 9.4. Oh, that's good that they put Ozzie in there. 52.8. 52.8. If you're Connor, you're closer to Ozzy than Ozzy's closest to Benetti. Uh-huh. So that's something. Uh-huh. Shout out to McDoink. But that that that's the one that I hope that there are some people kind of talking about. Oh boy, I, I had no I, I had no idea. I didn't. Is it I've been thinking a lot about this since we went through the stuff with Jason's contract and the stuff that you and I know kind of independently of what's gone on in some of those negotiations and concerns. Do you think that part of, I think that White Sox fans have clearly like wrapped their arms around Jason. I don't think that that has been the case from ownership um, and maybe some of the people that are inside of the, the front office. Do you think that, I think it's really cool that a non-player has that type of impact on the audience. Because they put a premium on that. The White Sox really love having ex-players be a part of the broadcast and seeing him win resoundingly. Most of the people, if you ask them where they would rank Steve Stone as far as best analysts in the league, he'd probably be one. And the fact that they're like, he's the best analyst? Well, when Fangraphs does the broadcast teams, you know, they're consistently top five. Right. But but that's what I'm saying. White Sox fans know that they have the best analysts in the game. And yet, according to this survey, their favorite broadcaster is a guy who didn't play. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that's really interesting. And I think it also has to do with the fact that Jason is just incredibly likable. But... To be able to do that on TV is hard. Being likable on the TV during a broadcast of a game that's making you crazy is uh, difficult. Of a fandom that's traditionally miserable. Jason yep. won me over forever by the way he gets the most out of Steve Stone. Like listening to Stoney and Hawk's relationship at the tail end of Hawk's career versus what has become of Steve Stone now that he's working with Jason Benetti. I appreciate him so much for that. I always felt like there was more meat on that bone that 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 Hawk kind of missed out on some of the things that the two of them could have done 
talking about the game and their histories in the game. Um, and I get it, you know, Hawks and icons. So, you know, you're like, man, this is my show. This guy is from across the street, blah, 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 blah. But you're right. That's one of the things that makes Jason a really good play-by-play guy. Same thing that makes Adam Amin a really good play-by-play guy. I have an analyst here. I have an expert. Let me offer up an opportunity for the expert to show their expertise. And it's television, which means it is the domain of the expert, where radio is the domain of the play-by-play guy. Yeah, you have to describe everything so that people understand what's going on. But you need that. Like You need someone... Like if, if you're working with Steve Stone, if you listen to interviews, for example, here on The Score, no matter who Stone he's on with, there's never any long-form questioning of Stone. You ask the question, and then you get out of the way, and you let him explain what it is that you're talking about. And that's one of the, the things I think is powerful about Jason as a play-by-play guy. But I, I do think that... I mean, I, I don't know if he's doing a victory lap around his condo or whatever, or whatever strange college town he's in today, but but he should look at this as a victory. The, even if there are people who aren't as bought in inside the White Sox, inside of 35th and Shields, the people that he's broadcasting to on a nightly basis, yeah, the audience, they've made their voices known, and they're like, that's my guy, and it's not close. Really hard to get in here today. Lastly, that was there's, there's a couple other questions about prospects and such. Do you think the White Sox are headed in the right direction? The answers are yes, no, and unsure. Well, 63.2% said no. 6.3% said yes. Ugh. And these are these are fans that are motivated enough to take a whole survey. to. to yeah, it's like a 12-question yeah. survey. This isn't one of those, was it, is it CAPTCHA? Find the... The streetlights. Uh, the streetlights. Check is that a- every box with an airplane Are in you it. a robot? Yes, I am. Wait, I mean, no, I'm not. I mean, no, I'm not. <laughs> Boston Robotics. Yeah. Oh, do you see those do- the robotic Morning, dogs? Morning, boys. What's going on? That's right, oh, the, Big Z. Yeah, the Cylons. Are, they, 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 they hate the CAPTCHA. That's how you keep the Cylons off the phones. <laughs> are you a robot? Uh, I don't know. Cannot answer. Algorithm overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, there's a weird, weird contract that just got signed that I think is entirely untenable. Is it Jason Benetti's? No, no, oh. no, 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 no. That, 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 that contract's fine. It's just the negotiation. My this one, is this is the contract that is, I've never seen anything like this in sports, and I don't see how it's, how it's viable. I, I don't see how it's sustainable either. We will talk about it. If you are someone that enjoys Big Ten football, you're going to enjoy this next segment. Or maybe you won't. Back after this on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Got Tupac in the back. Yep. Herbie probably didn't know that either. I love this song still. It's a good album. Like the, the the whole Sex Packets album is actually really good. Yes, it is. I know. I know this this song was famous, had some novelty value, but it's it's a good listen. There was a video on uh, on Reels where Shock G was talking about like different rappers and like what it is that was special. And he was talking about like where their cadence comes from. And he was saying about Tupac that when he would listen to Tupac, he felt like Pac's cadence was from speech making. 
in the civil rights era. Okay, yeah. And like it, it kind of like his flow like kind of came like you're you're hearing like a Martin Luther King or a Malcolm X type flow speech pattern. Well, that's if 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 you if you have an ear for that, the number of politicians now the generation of politicians like we're talking about uh, the, the the kids and Steph Curry and all that the number of politicians who have the Obama cadence is incredible. That one's pretty easy to do. But it is so notable in so many people where you almost close your eyes and you can it, – it's like it, it, you could you could, show, you could graph it almost mathematically. I'm sorry. I'm frozen because of my, my god sister's on TV. I'm like, oh, shout out to, to Professor Foster at Northwestern. Oh. The, the mother-daughter acting team. And they were cool. in a commercial together. So shout out to her. Shout out to Matt Baracy. All right. Husband. So – I don't know how the hell this is going to work, but you know that Iowa's offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz, has... Embattled. Well, that's being nice. Bad, I think. And, and everyone knows he's bad, and he's a Nepo baby, and that's why he's, he still has had the job, right? And we know that, that there's... if It's one thing if the relationship brings you opportunity, and then you blossom. Right. Because there are plenty of people who do that. Kyle Shanahan. A lot. For example, in, in all walks of life, Jason Burns, not yet, oh. but but in, in all walks of life, there are ways you say, "Hey, I'm I'm privileged," and as long as you know that you're privileged, you have the opportunity, it doesn't mean you can't be terrific at it. But the, the problem is, Ference isn't. He's been really bad at it. He's been really bad, and it and it feels like his dad has put a protective cloak around him instead of doing what he would do if. If the defensive coordinator was named Lawrence Holmes. In the new contract, Ferentz will make a base salary of $850,000. That's down from nine hundred, And will be able to have his contract reinstated to a two-year rolling agreement <laughs> with a bonus and salary adjustment if the team meets certain requirements. Like? The team needs to score at least 25 points per game. And win a minimum of seven games in 2023. Didn't they win a bunch of games like nine to six for Ferentz to hit his goals? For him to keep his job, it is out there, public, public, that they have to score 25 points a game. Which means if you are one of the early schedule teams, the pre-conference schedule teams, and I, I don't, they see, might run it up. Oh boy, let's see. If, if you are an FCS opponent that is taking a little money, you might have just re- you might want to renegotiate that that deal that depending blood on money how game. much money they're paying you to come in and hold the L. Because if this guy's like, oh, I'm going to get a, 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 I can keep my job for another two years rolling things, so I'm going to put seventy on you if we can. Well, I've got some bad news though. What's that? Their preseason schedule not easy. Utah State. Been a good program over the last decade. Then Iowa State. Oh. Week two. Then Western Michigan. Then into the Big Ten slate. Let me see if there's any non-conference like that. No. That's not a great start. All right. Like, what do you – all right. Do you think that any of this is a schmoz? Like, like the, the, that someone just put this out here and it's it's not legit? Because, like, to me, oh, this is this is all mainstream reporting. This is they're, this they're is trying ESPN to get you to quit, fam. But they, they want you to quit because they're making you look like a clown. Yes, they are. I 
I mean, I get it. Like, where else are you going to make that type of money? But with those stipulations, you just... And, and with everyone, like the fact that it got leaked out, it's not only that they have these stipulations in your deal. It's that magically these stipulations leaked out to the public. So now everyone can look at these games and watch the game against Utah State and be like, oh, they won uh, 19 to 13 or whatever and be like, oh, he's already behind the eight ball when it comes to his average. I actually think this is a bad look for Iowa. Just get, a, you could just get just, a different coordinator. You could just fire him. Just get someone who's better at it. But part of the problem is, is that you have one of those guys that's created a fiefdom. But now you've got this storyline that you've you've div- for the season where every game, every decision is now looked at through through this prism. Well, we're at six wins now. You got to keep your job. Like this, this is why you would choose. To make this 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 thematic arc of your season is beyond me. How does this help anybody? I don't know. It, it seems like it puts everyone in a bad spot. How about all the offensive assistants where and the players and the players where it's like, well, we got to score, we got to score, we got to score. We're losing, and you know maybe it's, this would be a good time to run some clock. No, 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 no we can't. Run, we're running out of time. We got to score, or we can't you, run clock. We got to throw it. Or if you do have a game, like let's say that you are up thirty to to seven against Utah State late, are your players out of the game? What if somebody gets hurt? What if one that's of, what I'm saying? Yeah, like if, you end up playing these guys longer because you're trying to get more points and run up your average. Yeah, how do you explain that to the kid and the kid's parents? Like, yeah, you know, we wanted to get them out of the game. We know we got uh, Michigan coming up next week, but I, I need the points. I'm trying to keep my job We got to get the points. She messed up, man. Good luck. Good luck. Let's talk some Super Bowl with Sean King next on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 